Our gospel text is a continuation from the sixth chapter of John's gospel, often referred to as the bread of life chapter. And we have seen over the last couple of weeks that ever since the crowd witnessed and consumed the miraculous feeding with the multiplication of loaves of bread and fish, they followed Jesus all around the Sea of Galilee. And then Jesus spent his time not giving them more miracles, but doing what? Teaching. Teaching. Why? To prepare them for the mystery of the Eucharist, that he is the bread of life come down from heaven because his word, like his father's word, has all the power and authority of his father's word and makes real what he sends it out to do, that it will not return to him void and empty, whether we understand it or not. And his teaching had another purpose, to help them, to help us, to cultivate a relationship with him. Because only if we are rooted in a personal relationship with Jesus can we perceive the truth of his words and trust in his words. And as we saw last week, however, the people started growing very tired of Jesus' teaching. They became increasingly frustrated with Jesus. We saw this as the titles they gave him diminished. At first they were going to call him the prophet who has come into the world. Then they called him rabbi. And what did they call him last week? Sir. Today, we hear how serious their frustration has become. And we are told that they were murmuring about the Lord. The Apostle John uses a Greek word for murmuring, for which there really isn't any one single English word equivalent for. In the Greek, it means to speak privately and in a low voice, to express indignant complaint, and my favorite translation, to utter secret and sullen discontent. Their murmuring, their uttering secret and, sol and sullen discontent was among themselves. Oh, they didn't dare display in front of Jesus. Oh, good Lord, no. They're like many of us today. We all put on big smiles. And we nod our heads. And then men who were gone, we ripped Jesus to pieces. Oh, I don't believe any of that. And what did Jesus do? He read their hearts. Now tell me, folks, who can read the heart of a man or a woman? God. So if Jesus can read the hearts of men and women, who is he? God. He read their hearts as only God can do, and he called them out on it. He dragged them right into the glaring daylight, displaying again the reality of who he is, God. But they didn't get it. Now, why were they murmuring, uttering secret and sullen discontent? Why do we sometimes utter secret 
and sullen discontent about the Lord, especially when life doesn't go the way we want it. Jesus did not, could not, he would not fit into the tidy box they wanted to put him into. You see, it is the naturally pagan instinct of our fallen nature to try and transform God from what he is to what we think he ought to be. To have him approve of what we want to do. To make our thoughts his thoughts. How many, for example, try to justify immoral behavior by saying, well, I feel God understands. And yet the God of the scriptures is clear. Your thoughts are not my thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. You see, we so desperately want to reduce the holy down to our level. That's what paganism does. In the meantime, the holy wants to elevate us to his level. That's what grace now, how did the people try to confine Jesus in their comfort zone? Well, they said, in their murmuring, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Uh, no, he's not the son of Joseph. That's precisely the point. Jesus is the Son of God. He shares the full authority of God. He is consubstantial, one in being with the Father. His conception was not like that of any human being before or since. And despite all the teaching the people received, despite all the miracles they participated in that pointed to Jesus' divine personhood, the people insisted that Jesus could only be what fit into their perceptions, their thinking, their comfort zone. There was no room for any other possibility for them. And sometimes we are not that much different. And because from their perspective, Jesus was the son of Joseph, it was therefore impossible, it was scandalous for him to say that he was the bread of life come down from heaven. It was insane. Why did Jesus openly reveal their hearts by telling them to stop uttering secret and sullen discontent among themselves? Why not just let it go? Because it could only end in tragedy for them. Have you ever noticed how good we are at feeding ourselves, or very often others, with falsehoods, rumors, slander, innuendo, gossip, and it snowballs, and a lot of people get hurt? And then what did Jesus do? He continued to teach. Now what does this tell us? 
the Lord never tires of reaching out to us. He desires our salvation. He desires our sanctification. He desires us to recognize our great dignity that can only be found in a relationship with him as he is God. Not in our personal opinions of him. Not in our creative interpretations of the scriptures about him. And God forbid, most certainly not in our feelings about him. Three times he used the expression, I am. The Greek words that are used in the gospel are ego imi, for the Hebrew ea asher ea, the title that God gave of himself to Moses at Mount Sinai. And it means, I am who I am. I am the source of all being. It could be translated as, I am being itself. Now remember, this was a Jewish audience that Jesus was speaking to. This, these were Jewish disciples who were following him. If anyone should have been able to understand the meaning of I am who I am, that he is God, that he and the Father are one, it was them. But it didn't fit into their tiny box and it flew over their heads. But then Jesus did an odd thing. He gave a teaching that they simply were not ready for. He said in reference to himself as the living bread come down from heaven, that whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Why would he teach such a truth? to those who thus far have resisted his teaching. He was following the model of teaching common in antiquity. It's very alien to us moderns. We mightn't want to rethink it. You see, then a teacher, was, it was understood that a teacher can only lead a student to wisdom and truth. A teacher cannot make a student embrace wisdom or truth. The student must see those as gifts, as something good, something beneficial. And if a student wants to learn, then he will make whatever effort necessary to master the material and make it his own. If not, the student is chosen to remain in ignorance. And he alone bears the responsibility of the consequences that inevitably flow from that choice. The fault is not with the teacher. It is always with the student. Jesus, the divine teacher, has revealed the truth. He is the I am, God. He has revealed that he is the bread of life that gives eternal life. He has revealed the truth that the bread he shall give is his flesh. Now, if Jesus is just the son of Joseph, if he is only that which people have in their tiny little box, the little comfort zone, 
then Jesus' words are those of a lunatic. They should be ignored, or at the very best, they are the words of a well-intentioned but otherwise deranged spiritual leader. They should only be taken symbolically. But if Jesus is God, his words transcend all the limitations of human opinions and interpretations. His words shatter the tiny boxes we tried to confine him in. And his words must be taken as they are. Divine revelation that one cannot control, but can only submit to in awe and with gratitude. How did the people respond? How do many today respond? We shall see the tragedy of human arrogance rejecting divine love next Sunday.